the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. God had already promised David that there will never fail to be a man, a descendant of his, on the throne of Israel. And that's in multiple places. Okay, I'm not going to list them all here. In particular, in Jerusalem. But remember, if, if he dies here, Without a son, God is unfaithful. He does not keep his promise to David. And the lineage promised for the seed of Eve that will crush the serpent's head, the, the, the seed, singular of Abraham, but by which the nations of the earth doesn't come if Hezekiah dies. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but I find it interesting. You can go online right now, and you can go look at people talking about this story. That somehow Hezekiah changed God's mind. Are you sure about that? God already had Manasseh in his sights. He already had that planned out. They tried to, and you can really literally, they will literally tell you God changed his mind. Straight up, straightforward. Now, they also often use a scripture out of Jeremiah where we're speaking about nations, that the promise of affliction that God brought brings upon nations when they disobey, that can be overturned by obedience. But again, that's speaking to nations in particular, all right? But let me just read from you in Numbers 23 and 19. I'm sure you've heard it before. God is not a man that he would lie nor the son of man that he would change his mind. That word is repent, to, to change the way you think. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? He's made a promise to David. Therefore, for the sake of my servant David, let me, and my own sake, what about it? My own reputation, I am the promise keeper. I gave a promise, I'm going to do it. Psalms 33 and 11. The plan of the Lord stands forever. If you could change it, it isn't forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Proverbs 19 and 21. Many are the plans in the mind of men, but it is the purpose of of the Lord that will stand. 
Proverbs 21 and 30. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel, advice will prevail against the Lord. Isaiah 46, 10B, or 9b through 10. I am God, there is no other. That could be a sermon right there. I am God, there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. You want to know the difference between all the mother so-called gods? I know the end already and I declare it. <clears throat> from ancient times, things which have not yet been done, saying, my plan will be established. I will accomplish all my good pleasure. Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. You know, why are you reading all these scriptures? I'm making a point. This isn't just something that you can pull out of one scripture. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now, <clears throat> our mind, we often want to judge God by our own human standards. And let me give you an example where God does what he does, and some people might have a problem with it. Peter is arrested and put in jail. He is double chained to two guards. I think this is in Acts 6. Okay. He's double chained to two guards. An angel comes in the middle of the night, making sure the guards stay asleep. God has that angel lead um, Peter out of the jail. He goes where the disciples are, knocks on the door. Rhoda answers the door. <gasps> it's Pete. Shuts the door on Pete. Goes back inside and tells everybody Pete's at the door. Which is an amazing story in itself. But if you keep reading that story, those guards are put to Herod. Now, God could have had that angel wake up the guy, smack him against the wall, so at least they had bruises. But because they slept through it all, Herod has them killed. If their husbands and if their fathers, that leaves widows and children without a father. That ain't fair. God does a miracle to get Peter out of prison. Two men die because God does a miracle. We are resistant to that idea. Because those guards are supposed to have their best life now. Tell them that. Tell their widows that. Okay? When we see God here coming to Hezekiah and saying, you're going to die, boy. Get your house in order. That is true because he is going to die. He does 15 years later. But implied here, in particular, related to the sickness that he has. Okay, it, it appears that way to us. It seems like God changed his mind. But if I look Scripture as a whole, God already had planned Manasseh. 
He already had planned when he talked to David, when Jeroboam had run amok and God divides the kingdom in the north and the south, right? The southern kingdom, he says, no, I got to keep my promise to David. So Israel's going up here. Judah is going to stay here and it's going to hold that throne because I made a promise. I would suggest to you that when Hezekiah said, let me live, Hezekiah prayed the will of God. Does prayer change things? Well, I think that depends on what you mean by that. Let me ask it another way. When we pray, does God improve his plan concerning the situation? Or let me put it away. Did you have a better plan than God did and you've convinced him there's a better one? No. God is perfect in all his ways. When God has a plan, it's the best possible plan. So I want to, depends on what you mean by that. See, God answers our prayers when we pray according to his will. That's doubt. Oh, you can go online right now, and you'll find preachers that say, well, if it be according to your will, O oh Lord, man, that, that's doubt. Really, then Jesus was doubting. God, if there's any other way, but your will be done, not what my flesh, Jesus' flesh, is at calling out for, wanting to get out of the cross in the physical side. So, so Jesus prayed with doubt. He taught us this. When you pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, I guess, I guess Jesus taught. Okay. John, 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence we have before him. Whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked him for. To me, that's almost a tautology, a truism. Wait a minute. This is God's will. When you pray that, that'll happen. Duh. You are sure your prayers will be answered if you pray according to his will. Why? Because it's his will. Not because it's yours. Let me give you an illustration. Now, all illustrations about God and even how he works run short because God is infinite, perfect, holy, and so on. And no natural example I could give you is that way. But let me give you an illustration that might help. Let's assume that I plan on giving my son, uh, who will, will soon turn 14, I plan on giving him a car when he's 17. After he's had a good year of driving, you know, down some experience. But I also want him to be humble enough to ask for it. Now, I've already planned to give him the car. But I want him to recognize where it comes from. And he needs to ask for that. And he needs to have some experience. And my son's going, amen, amen. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I will go ahead and purchase the car now. And I did that with my middle daughter. We purchased the car before she could ever drive. Now, many times between now and the time he turned 17, my son could ask, can I have the car, Dad? You're going to give me, can I have the, give me the car, Dad? Can I have the car? Just like that, I'm sure that's how he say it. 
And I say, no. Or I might say, wait. 17th birthday comes the next day. He comes and asks me for the car, and I give it to him. Day or two later, here's what he asked me. Why did you change your mind? Did I change my mind? But I told him no all the other times. And this time, for some reason, he thinks he's convinced me. You can't convince an omniscient God to change his mind. By definition, knowing all things. Now, I'm going to be honest. I look back at him and I go, son, I didn't change my mind. And he's got that really confused look. Yeah, you did. You said no, and now you said yeah. But see, because he doesn't have my mind, he didn't know my plans, he's a bit confused. We do that with God. Because he says, says that then the right time at the right place and the perfect timing of his will, he goes, uh-huh. We think God changed his mind. Especially when you consider, because he is omniscient, in Matthew 6 and 8, the Bible says God knows the things we need before we ask for them. He tells Dave, David said in Psalms that, you, you know what I'm going to say before it even gets from my head to my lips? That begs the question, then why pray? Maybe it doesn't for you, but I'm more like my son. We're a lot alike, to Kimberly's dismay. My son would, would ask this question, then why pray, Pop? Don't you have to ask that question? It seems obvious to me. Okay? One is, Jesus tells us to. You heard me talk to the kids about that. He tells a story in Matthew 18 about you just keep, from the time you're 15, you just keep asking for the car. Because when you line up with my will, your prayer will be answered. When you turn 17 and have become responsible the way I planned it, you get the car. Here's what many people believe, and I shared that with someone this week. We think, if we pray or behave or do the right thing, God takes his blessing from over here and drags it over here and lets that blessing fall on you. So you get God to move the place of his blessing. That ain't the case. God doesn't change. When you pray and get in line with his will, when you start doing what he does, you move from here to the place of his blessing. And please don't make blessing money. Please don't do that. Okay? It is, it is realigning you with what God is already doing. God has already told David that one of your young'uns, well, excuse me, that's the south of me speaking, one of your descendants will stay on the throne of Israel. Now, once Israel stops, or Judah stops, that's another story, okay? All right? But I, made that, I also know this. I made a promise to Eve. I made a promise to Abraham. He already has his set plan. He's got to get Hezekiah lined up with it. Or get Hezekiah's body to line up with it. Okay, whatever sickness was in his body. Second is when we pray, we are obeying God's word, thus moving us towards that point of blessing. And I'm going to say it again. Please don't context of money. The greatest blessing you can ever have is to know God more. 
So we're obeying God's word when we pray. Matthew 5, 44, 26, 41, Luke 10, 2, Romans 12, 12, Ephesians 6, 18, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Colossians 4, 2, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, James, I know I'm doing them fast. Here's my point. God says pray. Now watch, though. Since God is perfect in all of his ways, his ways are perfect. I know that, again, that seems like a truism, all right? But look at, if God says, this is how, in my will, I choose to bring faith to my people, is through, it is the absolute best way to do that. He can't, God can't come up with a not the best way. Because he's God. He's perfect and holy in all his ways. We tend to act like, well, you know, there's got to be something better, but I guess when it all comes down to it, we could pray. <laughs> really? I would suggest you try the best way first. But I'm sure in your life you've always done that. When mom or dad gave you advice about the best way, you didn't have to go find out for yourself. Here's the best way. Of all those trees in the garden, you can eat these, just don't eat that one. I'm not sure about that. When we pray, we do what Jesus did. Now, come on. He is the Son of God incarnate. Truly God, truly man. By his own very nature, he raises from the dead, and he prayed. When he was in this flesh... He prayed. He often went away to pray. His own ministry, the thing that God put him on the planet for, wore out his body. He got tired. And he got away to pray. If the Son of God had to do that well in this flesh, I might suggest you probably should too. Okay? And fourthly, I think prayer helps align our hearts with God's heart, or let me put it another way, his will becomes our highest goal. Many people teach this. I pray for whatever it is, okay? Believing for that thing is faith. No, 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 no. Trusting to do what God will do, that's faith. God, I need a, this is the situation, God, but my faith is in you. I trust you even if you don't. It's not dependent on he gives me the thing I'm asking for, even if it's a good thing, health or the salvation of a family member or something like that. God, I trust my faith is in you. That's faith. To say, if I could do it like a young lady coming up, we're going to celebrate in this month, Whatever you say, be it unto me. That's Mary, by the way. I don't get how a virgin can have a baby, but I'm going to trust you. I don't know how we're going to make it, God, if you don't, but I'll trust you. Okay? Our highest goal should be God's will. Jesus said, I came to do the will of the Father. Wow. But I would suggest to you, this is why, and many people, again, take this and twist it to death out of James 5 and 16. It says, the prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much because a righteous man does God's will. 
not his own. That's, that's versus praying what you want. Okay? What you want, ver- and oftentimes what you want is adversarial to what God wants. Because you want comfort, and he wants you to draw close to him. Okay? Psalms 145 and 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. There's a qualifier there. And I, and I have said this regarding the most recent election. All right? Uh, people sure prayed, all Christians anyway, a lot more under the last guy than they have this guy. Until COVID, of course. Okay? Because we saw the last guy is not like God's manner, all right? He, he, some, something's wrong with him or something. So, we, God, you got to do something for our nation. We got this, this leader that likes abortion and gay marriage. You know. And, God, we got to pray. Then we get a guy who uses the name of Jesus in a good sense, okay? A vice president, you can go online and watch until actually tell his story of when he came to Christ, okay, at a youth camp. <sighs> we're there now. No, we're not. People pray more, and you know this, in the midst of trial and adversity than they do in good times. The Lord will draw near who all who call on him in truth. He is truth. When we call upon him and ask for his will to be done in our nation, we align ourselves with God's will, and you will see that prayer come true. Now, we have a problem with this, though. We don't like the idea of God using secondary causes. God has ordained that he accomplishes certain things on the earth through our prayers. Okay? So he tells the elders to bring oil and anoint the sick. Tells us to pray for the sick, to pray for our daily bread. All right? Why do you think? Couldn't he just do it without your prayers? Show me a sign that I know this is you. Because when this is done, I want to make sure you get the credit. One of the reasons God asks you to join with his will through prayer is because then and when it's done, you realize who did it. Circumstances happen around you every day, all the time, that you haven't prayed for. But God still did them. But when you come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, I've been praying for Uncle Ed to get saved. And this Thanksgiving, he shows up and asks to pray over the meal. He came, his life, God answered prayer. Why? Because you've been praying. Not because you've been praying, but you recognize it's God because you've been praying. God's going to do what God does with or without you. He is non-contingent. But he asked us to join with him in bringing about, I'll say bringing about, join with him in his will on earth because there he's near you. There you discover more about him. There you learn to love him, to trust him. That is greater than the answer to the prayer. For Hezekiah, it's greater than the healing. Later, coming up, you'll see something in Hezekiah's head that I think he forgot this story. Next week in the last, you'll, you'll go, 
<laughs> Wait a minute. What are you doing here, boy? I think you forgot why you got 15 years. Because you haven't, it's not all you and all that wonderful things you have done. It's God. And when you pray, that helps us put in all time, space, and history into the context of who God is. It is not so. God can make you spend 10 minutes a day in prayer. God just wants to control my life and make me spend 10 minutes. God wants me to go to church. God wants me to worship this way. No, 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 you don't understand. God is perfect in all his ways. When you do what he's asked you to do the way he asked you to do it, you discover the best that there can be. A marriage based on God's way of doing it, you won't get a better one. You go, well, mine isn't perfect. Yeah, but because you're in it. Not because God got it wrong. Okay? You can't run your finances any better than God said to do it. But along the way as you run it, you discover who he is along the way. Is, is that really your heart? Is that your heart is to say, God, no matter what, here's what I want out of this, that I might know you more. Jesus prays it for his disciples. Paul prays it for various people in the New Testament that you would know him and the width and the breadth and the height, to know him? Or is it your desire when you pray to turn on the magic genie lamp? And if you weep and wail enough, God, for some reason, will change his eternal divine plan so you can have it your way. It's not Burger King. Those of you who remember that are old enough. Let's stand and pray. Almighty God, it is a privilege that you call us to pray, that you invite us to join you and your work in time and history. God, that it is really about an opportunity that we might know you. What a great blessing, oh God. We sing songs, let us see your glory. I want to know you, and God, you have opened the doors already. For just such a thing to happen. I thank you, God, that you keep your promises, whether it's through a secondary cause of prayer or divine act of foreign, that you do on foreign kings. God, I look at the world around me today, and I recognize you are in charge, and you invite me to be part of what you're doing. I thank you, O oh God, that you're drawing your church, your children, your people to you. For there is no greater gift, more than constitutional freedom, more than financial blessing. It's to know the creator of all things. And we give you all that praise, O oh God. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, 
Idaho 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.